Well, good morning, everyone. Well, good morning, everyone. It's a good day to be alive. Can you say amen? God is so good. How many were here for Worship Wednesday this past Wednesday night? Ooh. Now, I got to tell you, something special happened that night. It was an enormous shift in the spiritual realm. We all felt it. Um, we see all that's happening in our nation right now, worldwide. Things are happening. Miraculous revival spirit is being birthed in the heart of our nation. We've been praying for this moment for a long time. And now's the time that it's happening. I want to encourage everyone. This is the time to fully engage with what God's doing. I haven't been in a service like that in a long, long time. To see hundreds of young people. You know, a lot of times we look at the young people and we walk around the mall and we see them vaping and doing all the things that young people do. I, I just want you to know, it's always been that way. It's just not been vaping, it's been other things. Different faces, same behavior. But I want to tell you, it was prophesied many years ago in this church that revival was going to spark through our young people. And if you were here on Wednesday night, we had hundreds of high school and middle school up here crying out to God. It wasn't man-made. It was spirit-filled. It was the spirit that drew them in, and it was beautiful. God clearly put on my heart a couple of weeks ago that if you want to participate in what's happening, Glenn, then you've got to get out of the way, and you have to make room for the spirit to move. Now, let me tell you, I'm one of those guys, I like to have things, you know, we got worship for a certain amount, I got my timer on here, right now I'm at 33 minutes and 7 seconds left, I like to end so everybody's leaving at 1 hour and 6.5 minutes on the nose so everyone knows what to expect. So, this is challenging for me, but I'm hungry, and I'm ready, and I think you're ready, and I think you feel the stirring of the Spirit in this place. It's exciting. So I want to let you know, things may change. You know, our weekly services, on the, like on Wednesday, God may put it in our heart that we're going to have another worship night coming up. You know, we will communicate, we'll send emails, we'll send it on all of our social media platforms. But I, I want to make room for the Spirit of God to move at Countryside during this time especially. You guys feel the same way? So I do want to let you know, so at the end of services right now, we're having an extended time of worship. It's important that you know this. I know that you have obligations. I know that some of you have kids in nurseries. I know that some of you have places to go. Do not feel bad that when that happens that you need to leave. That's okay. Last week there were people that felt like, oh, I gotta sneak out, now I'm not spiritual. You are just as spiritual. I want you to know that. And so we'll have that time at the end of service. What we're doing is we're creating space for the Spirit of God to move in our lives. And I believe that as we create space, God's always going to be faithful. Can you say amen? So are you praying for me? I need you to pray for me during this time because I want to be obedient to what God's doing. So I appreciate your prayers. Starting next week, we're starting a new series. You just saw the bumper for that. It's called Good News. And what we're going to be focusing on is what Christ did for each one of us on the cross. And because of what he did on the cross, we are now justified in Christ. 
We are just as if we've never sinned. And he created direct access to Jesus, access to joy, access to peace, access to the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts and lives, and access to eternal life. We're gonna talk about it as we talk about the good news. In a world that's filled with a bunch of bad news, turn off that news and turn on some Jesus because Jesus is the good news. Can you say amen? This is the final week of Team Sunday. I know last week was a little bit different, but I want to encourage you. If you're not part of a team, you want to get plugged in, this is the day. Wherever you feel your passion is and your heart is, we encourage you to serve there. So last week we have all these Team Countryside keychains. We bought about 1,000 of them so families could take them. People that signed up would get a keychain. People that are already on teams would get a keychain. And we gave away 600 keychains last week. But the problem is, we only had about 50 people sign up. <laughs> so you remember a few, like a month and a half ago, I said, you know, we're all liars, thieving, adulterers at heart. I know there's a bird in here. God, I just thank you for the Holy Spirit. Get that bird out of here. <laughs> Enough with these birds. So when I, when I made that statement about that, and I mentioned that, how many of you have Countryside Christian Church pens at home? By the, and a lot of hands went up. You know, in fact, I had people bring me stacks of pens back, and they apologized. I said, no, that was just a joke. So I'm not looking for you to turn back in the keychains if you're not on a team. I'm just looking for you to sign up for a team this week. Don't you think that's a good idea? How many are ready for God's word? Now, you're going to have to focus this morning, because I see people looking at the bird, and they're trying to track that bird. The devil works in mysterious ways. Sometimes he uses a bird. But I believe that this word is so important to stir our hearts to get back what God wants us to get back and to get behind us what the enemy has tried to rob in our lives. How many are you ready for that word today? Father, we thank you for your word. Anoint this word. Give us ears to hear. We don't want to stay the same. We want to grow to be all that you've called us to be, in Jesus' name, amen. Let me ask you a question. How many of you sometimes find yourselves looking for something that you've lost or misplaced? Maybe your car keys. How many sometimes you just cannot find your car keys? I mean, no, you look all over the place. That happens to me all the time, and you know where I usually find it? Not in my hand but in a different pocket than I'm used to carrying it in. So, but for a lot of people, it's in their hand. Have you ever looked for your sunglasses? And you're looking all over the house. You're looking at the car, you're looking under the seat, you're looking everywhere for your sunglasses. Where are your sunglasses? They're on your head, yes. Well, you guys are tracking better than first service, I want you to know. How many of you lost your phone? And you're like, oh my goodness, my life is falling apart without my phone. Oh, my phone. You know, I, I grew up in the, the 70s, and my phone was on a wall with this. When they created, for us, when they created like a 20-foot cord, we were like, this is the end times, the technology. I got a 20-foot cord. I can walk around and cook and do what. Now we're, this phone is like, oh, I got to have my phone. For me, when they came out with the iWatch, and you could go to that part, and you could hit the dinger, and it ding, 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 ding. Last week, I could not find my phone anywhere. I'm like, Elaine, help me find my phone. Push the dinger, 
I'm sitting on my phone. <laughs> Am I the only one that's done this? Please tell me no. Okay, thank you. Second service, you guys are good today. Today, as we continue our study on Elisha, we're talking about some things that are far more important than our keys or our phone or our sunglasses. We're talking about something that some of us may have lost that is most important. Many people in this room today have lost the passion that you once had for the things of God. There's others that you've lost your joy or you've lost your peace that once you were so filled with, but now you feel yourself struggling with anxiety and depression and you're losing sight of what God's life should be for you. For some of you that have once had great faith, you believe that God could do anything that he said he could do. You would pray for the sick, a great expectation that they would recover, and many times you would see God do miracles in your life. But now you see yourself with maybe little faith, less faith. Maybe the journey of life through the problems and uh, disappointments and hurts that come in this life, which we all are going to have. You know, the word's clear. It doesn't say when you accept Christ, it's easy. Accept Jesus Christ, then it's going to be easy. Show me the verse. It's not there because this, this world, there will be troubles, there will be tribulations, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world is what Jesus says to us. So maybe you find yourself at a point where you're struggling in this life and maybe some of us have lost our spiritual edge. As we look at the life of Elisha, we've looked over the last four weeks and this is the final week of that, and we talked in week one about the importance of God's way is plan A. That we so often, we say, okay, God, I'm willing to do this, but you gotta do it, you gotta make it happen, and we're like holding on to plan B. Many of us are, are walking in plan D, E, F, because we never burned the plows that Elisha burned. He burned his plows, he, bland, he burned his lifestyle, he burned all of the things that he used to do, and he says, I am fully going after God's plan A in my life. That's what God wants us to do. Go after the passions that he's put inside of your heart. We too, Pastor Tim, talked about the importance of digging ditches, and that when we step out in faith, because faith without works is dead, but when we step out in faith and we begin to take faith and dig the ditches, God will always bring the water. Last week, Pastor Marcella did such a great job, didn't he? Wasn't that an amazing message? So good. And he talked about the widow and her two sons and um, how they were going to be taken into slavery unless God provided a miracle. And she was told to go, and the sons were told, go and gather the jars and if you just bring in the empty jars, then God will fill the jars to overflowing. That's what he wants in our lives, is for us to gather our jars and come to him empty and allow the Spirit of God to fill us up to overflowing. That's the God that we serve. So today, we're going to look at one of the strangest miracles throughout all of Scripture. It's a, a miracle that is so strange and so crazy, but we're gonna to get to that in just a moment. But as we look at Elisha's life, we can see that he performed some absolutely amazing miracles. The most miracles in the scripture was performed by Elisha next to Jesus Christ. He healed a body of water that was unpure, that people were dying if they drank it. He healed that water and it saved an entire community. One time he raised a child from the dead. 
Another time, as we talked about last week, he provided oil to overflowing, and it saved a widow and her two sons. He healed Naaman, a great military commandment, commander of leprosy. It was a miracle. Everyone was staying away from him, but Elisha brought healing to Naaman. He once even blinded an entire army so that God's people could move ahead. You see, we serve a miracle-working God, and that's what he does. He does it in our lives every single day. If we would just look to him and look to what he can do and believe that he can do it. Can you say amen? The miracle that we're going to talk about today, it's about a seminary student. A young man who was going to a prophet school that Elisha was putting on. And the seminary student, he borrowed an axe. Similar to my Lowe's axe that I purchased for $37.99 this week. He borrowed this axe from a friend. And he chopped down a tree. While he was chopping down the tree, the axe head. No, I'm just joking. I saw that front row. Yeah. <laughs> The axe head came off of the handle, flew into the body of water, and then Elisha came over, threw a stick in the water, and the axe head literally floated to the top of the water. So there are two things from this scripture that you're going to need to know. Back in those days, iron was very heavy, and it was very, very expensive. The student was most likely very poor. And it was a big deal to him because he had borrowed this very valuable axe from a friend. Have you ever borrowed something from someone and then broke it? Have you ever borrowed something that was expensive? Maybe a computer. Or maybe you borrowed your friend's car. Can you imagine wrecking your friend's car? Back in these days, this was the equivalent of great worth. And it was a big deal. He was so disappointed. But once again, God showed up through Elisha. This shows us also how much God cares about the little things in our life. Sometimes we think, oh, it's just such a little deal. God doesn't care. I want you to hear me. God cares about everything you're going through. Whether it's great or whether it's small, he cared about this axe head. He cared about this student who was freaking out because he had lost something that it was so valuable to him. God cares about everything you're going through, but it's up to us to realize that we have a loving, caring God and cast our cares upon him. You have a headache? God cares about your headache. You're struggling with depression. God cares about what you're struggling with. So realize God cares about the smallest of things. You're having a bad day, God cares. It's up to us to realize God cares where I am, and I'm not gonna isolate myself, but I'm going to God even when it's a small area of our life. That's the God that we serve. Remember, Elisha was being mentored by Elijah. Now, Elisha is mentoring the next generation of prophets, but there were being so many that were being mentored at this time that they needed a bigger building. They needed to build something bigger. And that's where we pick up the story in, first, in 2 Kings chapter 6. Now, in your notes, it was a mistake. Don't read the notes off of your um, weekend guide thingy for this one second of scripture. Read it on the screen. That way you're not reading about the jars from last week. Does that sound like a good, good idea? So this is where we pick up the story. The company of the prophets said to Elisha, look, 
The place where we meet is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole and let us build a place there for us to meet. And he said, go. Then one of them said, won't you please come with your servants? I will, Elisha replied. And he went with them. And they went to the Jordan and began to cut down trees. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Oh no, my Lord. Now I want to stop there. This was a young man. He had lost something very valuable. He was freaking out and he did not swear. He said, oh no. Just take that in. It's good. It's a good word. It was borrowed. The man of God asked, where did it fall? And when he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick, threw it there, made the iron float, lifted out, he said. Then the man reached out his hand and he took it. So today we're going to look at kind of a metaphoric look at a lesson that we can take from this story and apply it to our life. So number one in your notes, it's important that we know that we get this first point in our hearts. It's so valuable. Number one, God knows how to help you find what you didn't mean to lose. Hear this. God knows how to help you find what you didn't mean to lose. There are people that are here today that have lost literally your spiritual edge. Remember, we serve a God of restoration and healing. We serve a God who specializes in helping us find something that we did not mean to lose. So let me ask you this. Have you lost your spiritual edge? There are a lot of people right now that are on a mountaintop experience and they're serving God, they're worshiping God like they've never done before. They're praying to him. They have expectation in their heart for what's ahead. But there are others that maybe are struggling just a little bit and have maybe lost their spiritual edge. Some of you may have let the wrong people be the central part of your life and it's dragged you down and it's dragged you away from where you once were. Some of you used to serve in the church and you loved it, but then you got the I got busy disease. The I got busy I got too busy for this. I got too busy for that. I can no longer serve. I can no longer pray. I can no longer, I'm just too busy. It's a nasty bug. They may be coming out with a vaccine for that coming up. You know, I never know. <laughs> Some of you may, may have had a passion for prayer where you would wake up and you could not wait to get on your face and seek God because you knew that if you just got into the presence of God, and you began to pray that God would answer your prayers. There are others that you could not wait to have your quiet time with God. Couldn't wait to get in the word so that you could be fed by it, that you could be built up in it. And now maybe not so much. So how do you get your edge back? Let's look at this story and apply two lessons to help us all get our edge back. So what do we need to do to get our edge back? Number one, be honest about where you lost it. Second Kings chapter six, verse six, it says, the man of God asked, where did it fall? The ax said, you see, it's not gone, it's misplaced. It's not gone. So I'm asking you, where did you lose your spiritual edge? Look back 
and define where was that place in your life that you began to drift or began to drop maybe a spiritual discipline. You see, it's the spiritual disciplines that develop us and grow us and disciple us. Maybe it's the devotion to prayer or reading the word or you've just gotten away from it and you've just done what the American way says to do. I'm just seeking after more of this, more of that. And when you get more of this, more than that, you just get more disappointment because God's way is the best way. Some of you used to love to share your faith with others and you would take every opportunity as an opportunity for you to share the love of God with those around you. But when's the last time you've shared your faith with someone? Some of you can look at your life and maybe your standards who used to be right here. Just slowly, you've dropped standard after standard and you find yourself where you've lost your spiritual edge. You see, the, ra- the reality of this is we have a spiritual enemy that absolutely hates you. We have an enemy, the devil, that wants to destroy us. And his name is Deceiver. He'll put things in front of you that seem like it's the right thing to do, but what it can do is take you away from the very best that God has for you. You know, there's nowhere in Scripture where it says you sign up for Jesus and it's easy. There's just not. But there's a place where it says in this world we'll have trials and tribulations, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. I want to share a personal thing that I went through. 1987, I went on my first mission trip to the Dominican Republic. Let me tell you, changed my life forever. I loved it. It was there that I led the first group of people. I went into a classroom and led 35 kids to the Lord. I felt joy like I had never felt before. I saw the world in a whole different way than I'd ever seen it before. When I came back from that mission trip, I was on fire. In fact, I was on fire. I was on fire for Jesus. When I got home, I'm like, I can't wait to God to use me like he used me in the Dominican Republic. I was witnessing to anything that moved. A dog comes by, you know Jesus. Anybody that would have an open here, I was like at work witnessing. I brought my Bible to work. Mm. I was doing all the things that just excited my heart for the things of God. I was bringing new people to church every single week. Listen, after that trip, I was willing to give up everything. My career, whatever it would take, I was willing to go into a third world country and live the rest of my life serving Jesus. I was so fired up. I had the Jesus shirts. Had the Jesus 1987 shirt, cut off the sleeves. Back then I had like some arms that were going on. It was pretty good. I had my cross necklace that I was wearing. Remember the cross necklaces? This is back when Mr. T had all his necklaces. And people go, look at you with your Mr. T starter kit. I'm like, it's the cross. It's the cross. I had my Jesus bumper sticker. How many of you remember honk if you love Jesus? I was honking, I love Jesus. My spiritual edge was sharp. Fired up. Lighting up the world. But then something happened, which happens to so many people. I thought when I became a pastor in 1995, it was going to be easy. I was doing all that as a volunteer. I was able to share and witness, bring people from work, and all these different things were happening. It was so exciting. And I thought, when I become a pastor, I get to do this full time. But it was there 
that I realized that people are people. Pastors are people. Can you believe it? Pastors are actually people. And pastors make mistakes. And pastors can hurt people and, and say the wrong thing at the wrong time and, and hurt people's feelings. And people can be offended and people can be disappointed. Listen, as Christ followers, that's what we are as a church. We are a church full of Christ followers. I'm your pastor. But listen, I bleed the same blood that you bleed. I'm living the same life in this world that's broken that you're living in. And we're doing it together. I love pastoring you. I love leading you. But listen, we're not here following Glenn Davis. We're here following Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? So what happened? I got, I got focused on the ministry, and I'd forgotten about focusing on my own personal walk with Jesus. The things that got me so fired up, that sharpened my edge to be so sharp, begin to get dull with disappointments, with routine, with stopping spiritual habits, devotions changed, and I began to find out that suddenly I realized that I was a full-time pastor and a part-time Christ follower. Maybe you find yourself as a full-time businessman, but a part-time follower of Jesus Christ. Maybe you're a student and you find yourself working so hard and that's your full devotion and you find yourself as a full-time student and a part-time follower of Jesus. Maybe you're a mom or dad and you find all of your time and it can be so overwhelming where it's taken all of, and you find yourself as a full-time parent but a part-time follower of Jesus. You didn't mean to lose your spiritual edge but you did. I did. You didn't mean to get discouraged, but you did. I did. You didn't mean to drift in your relationship with God. You didn't mean to get shallow and depressed and discouraged and find yourself far from him. But some of you, you have, just as I have at times. Maybe you didn't mean to become a follower of Christ, but you did. You didn't mean to be a part-time follower, but you did. I did, but God did something great in my heart that was unspeakable, that was a miracle, that was beautiful. Maybe you find yourself where you used to be in a connection group. You used to be one of those that would encourage people. You used to text people just encouraging scriptures, but now your life has gotten so busy and you just stopped going. Maybe someone in the church hurt you. Maybe someone in another church hurt you. Maybe you've lost someone special and you feel disappointed and you feel disappointed in God. I want you to know, don't blame God because God's good. God's there. God's there with his hands always outstretched to you, even in the times of hurt, doubt, and fear. So it's time for us that may have lost our edge to get that edge back. How many want your edge back? Number two, this is what we do, number two. With God's help, take back what you lost. Remember, our God specializes in helping us find what we didn't mean to lose. 2 Kings chapter 6, starting in verse 6, says, When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it there and made the iron float. Lift it up, he said. Then the man reached down with his hand and he took it. 
Two weeks ago, we talked about the importance of digging ditches. Do something. Get out of yourself and dig a ditch because God will bring the water. Last week, we talked about the jars and gathering the jars. God provides the oil and fills us with his spirits. This week, God is lifting up the axe head, but we have to be the ones to reach out and get it. You got something out there? Listen, can you imagine the guy with the axe head, it floats? He's like, oh, that's nice. There's my axe head. Thank God, that axe head, I see it. He doesn't get it? Elisha says, reach out and get it. God's saying to you, take back what you lost. Reach out and take it because God's there with the answer. God's there with his spirit. God's there with the spirit of God to stir us up. But it's up to us to do the rest, pick it up, and take back what the enemy has stolen. Can you say amen? Revelation 2, 4 and 5, it says, You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. Repent. It means to turn away. It needs to return to back where you were, where you once were. Think about the time you were closest to God. What are you not doing that you were doing then? That's what we need to do is turn back and go back where we once were. If you want what you once had, we have to do what we once did and go after the axe head because the axe head is right there in front of us. So how did I get my edge back? God made it clear, Glenn, you can't live like this as a pastor. This is back in the 90s. You know what I did? I went on another mission trip. And I got stirred back up just like I was stirred back up. And when I came back, I said, you know what? I'm not going to live the way that I lived. I'm not going to be full-time in ministry and a part-time Christ follower. Jesus is going to be the most important thing in my life. And I begin to sharpen the edge of my spiritual life. I begin to pray and have a strategic plan with my prayer life. To have a strategic, intentional plan with my devotion life. When they came out with the YouVersion Bible app, that was so amazing because it's so easy. It's so easy just to take our edge and sharpen it. You see the book of Joel it says that God will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. Some of you may feel like it's too late. Too many years have gone by. Hear me when I say this today. God promises to take back those years that the locusts have eaten in your life. Your greatest days are right in front of you, but you've got to reach out, take that axe head back, and begin to do what you once did. Proverbs chapter 6. It says that the enemy will restore what he has stolen seven times over. So when God restores something, he restores it with interest. It's time for us to take it back and say, enemy, you are not going to win in my life anymore. You're not going to deceive me anymore. You're not going to hold me back. You're not going to cause me to walk in depression and fear because I've not been given a spirit of fear in Jesus' name, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Take back what the enemy has stolen. Let me tell you a personal story. So, this, this axe is pretty heavy. First service, I almost pulled something. I felt it. I'm okay. Wayne, I'm okay. But I, I felt something. So I can remember 
it was probably when I was about 21 years old. A group of my friends went to, Elaine's family lived on the Suwannee River in the woods, and there were about 20, 25 of us friends that wanted to go up there and have a, where we'd go witness to the city, and we'd have a bonfire at night, and it was going to be so much fun. We were going to sit around the fire and worship God. We're so excited. And we got there, and guess who they assigned to go chop the wood? (laughs) Can you, now for those that haven't been here long, I've often really bragged about my pastor hands that are very soft. (laughs) They've not seen a lot of manual labor. I worked one summer with my dad out drilling wells in the hot sun, and I realized I will never do that again in my entire life. (laughs) So here they are, they're my friends, and they said, you and Daryl are assigned to go chop the wood. I'm thinking, all right. This thing's heavy. All right, Daryl. And I see the wood, it's all laid out there, it's all in these big logs. And I take my axe. I know you thought I was going to hit the stage. No. And I hit the wood, and the wood, it bounced up. I'm like, what? This can't be that hard. I've seen this on TV. I used to watch Daniel Boone. You know, I know this is, can't be that hard. And, I, and I'm like, I'm going to hit this thing harder than I. And I went up, and, I, and it bounced over my head. It went back like And my friend said, Glenn, let me see that. And he took the axe. He goes, your axe is dull. It's never going to do what it was designed to do as long as you have a dull axe. And he took his axe. He said, look at this. Mine's sharp. And he took that axe. He chopped that thing in one chop. It's like butter. I'm like, give me that axe. And I took that axe, I swung it as hard as I could with a sharp axe, cut it in half in one blow. Church, come on now. You see, when you operate with a dull axe, it's dangerous. It doesn't do what it was designed to do. It can actually hurt someone. I almost cut off one of my toes that day trying to work with a dull axe. But when you sharpen your axe, just like if you sharpen your spiritual life, it begins to do how your spiritual life begins to look. Maybe you find yourself feeling dull. You sharpen your spiritual edge and get your edge back. Wait and see what God is going to do in your life. Pray, you're sharpening that axe. Getting in the word, you're sharpening that axe. When you pray the presence of God, you're getting that spiritual edge. You're hanging around spiritual people. You're eliminating negative people in your life. And you begin to go the way God wants you to go. You begin in your thought life. And you begin to put things in your mind that are going to build you up and that are encourage you. You will get your spiritual edge back. And you will function the way that God's word says that we are going to function. And you'll begin to walk by faith and not by sight. And you'll see what the enemy meant for harm in your life. God will turn it around and bring good and bring his glory into your life. But it's up to us. It's up to us to get that spiritual edge back. It's up to us when that axe head floats to the top. And just a metaphor, that axe head represents your spiritual life. It's right there, and you see it. And you know, if you pray more, if you seek the face of God, if you begin to allow the Spirit to move in your life, He'll do things you never thought possible. 
but you've got to reach down, pick it up, and believe God for the miracle that he has for you. Deuteronomy chapter 30 says, God, your God, will restore everything you lost. He'll have compassion on you. He'll come back and pick up the pieces from all the places where you were scattered. No matter how far you end up, God, your God, will get you out of there and bring you back to the land your ancestors once possessed. It will be yours again. He will give you a good life, and he will make you more numerous than your ancestors. Church, it's time to get our spiritual edge back. It's time to pull up our big boy pants and to begin to walk by faith and not by sight. It's time for us to begin to not just have words, but action behind our words, because faith without works is dead. So it's time for us to go out and begin to dig some more ditches and believe God that he's gonna bring the water of our, into our souls, into our future. It's time for us to gather the jars like we never gathered jars before because the Spirit of God is ready and is doing a great outpouring upon his people right now. But he's looking for empty vessels that are hungry saying, God, I'm here, fill me up. And what he'll do is he'll fill you up. It's time to pick up that ax head. It's time to sharpen that edge. It's time to move into all that God has for us. Because if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, he promises you will be filled. How many want to be filled in Jesus' name? Father, I just pray for each and every person in this room. I pray, God, that you begin to pour out your spirit in a fresh way on each and every one of us. With every head bowed, every eye closed, maybe you're here today. And as you were hearing this message, you're looking back in your own life and you're seeing you're not where you once were, but you're ready to get back to where you were. In fact, you're ready to get further than you've ever been in your walk with God. And you begin to look forward in faith. How many say, Pastor Glenn, that's me. Pray for me. I felt myself losing my spiritual edge. Who would say that in today? Yeah, hands all over. There's others here that you don't know Jesus as your personal savior. Maybe you've walked away from him. Today is the day of salvation. I wanna encourage you, if you don't know God, today I offer you a relationship with Jesus Christ. To know God, to love God, to have peace with God, and to have his salvation in your life simply comes by saying yes to the good news of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you'd like to pray with me, I'm not gonna call you out, I'm not gonna embarrass you, but I believe that today is the day for your salvation to truly know Jesus intimately. If that's you, when I count to three, will you just raise your hand? One, two, three. Raise it up high if that's you. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, yes. Can we all pray for the sake of all those that raise their hands today? Just repeat this prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you for what you did for me on the cross. You gave your life so that I might have life. Today, I'm getting my spiritual edge back. Today, I receive you, Christ, as my Lord, my Savior, my God, and truly my best friend. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we all stand together? Let's give the Lord a great praise offering that he's worthy of. We're gonna close this service today with some worship. Like I said earlier, if you need to go, you could go. But if you wanna stay and just enter into a little bit extra worship, we invite you to do that. Holy Spirit, fill this place 
with your presence, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Good day.
Praise God. How many want more of Jesus in your life? Every area of your life? I want to encourage you as you walk out these doors today, let your life be the overflow of His Spirit. So as you begin to talk and share with other people, it's out of the overflow. You'll find as you're staying close to God and He builds you up and you begin to minister out of the overflow, it's a whole different way of living. Father, I pray for each and every person in this room. I pray, God, your anointing, your blessing upon each family, each marriage. I pray, God, your anointing upon this church that you would continue to lead us and guide us by your Spirit. We're here to see lost people saved. We're here to see broken people's lives restored. We're here to be a light to a dark and a broken world. So use this church and the people in this church as a beacon of light for you, I pray. We love you. We honor you. And we praise you in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. God bless you, church.